0: What could loving your neighbor actually look like? Welcome to the Journey With Care podcast, your online community of sojourners who are growing more loving in neighborhoods all across Canada. We'll navigate into hot topics about child welfare, faith and reconciliation. Be challenged with real life stories and honest conversations that will inspire you to love others well. We're glad you've joined us on this Journey With Care. Hello and welcome to another episode of Journey with Care. My name is Johan and I'm your host for today's interview. So on a previous episode, I had the privilege of interviewing Jared Ross, an indigenous worship leader I met back in in a Bible college youth conference in 2016. He shared a little bit about his story growing up and what it was like and it was very impactful. And I'm so happy to welcome back Jared Ross to talk a little bit about his calling in ministry and what he's doing and what the Lord's called him to do. Jared, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Grom, thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you back. So if you haven't listened to that last episode with Jared, I would encourage you go back, check it out. Such an amazing story. And he also shared one of his songs with us as well. So I invited Jared back to record a second episode with me. I want to chat a bit about what he is doing now and what he feels the Lord is leading him to do and how we as a church, the larger church, can best journey alongside Indigenous leaders like him. So, Jared, give us a quick synopsis of what you're up to these days, what you're putting your hand to.
1: Yep, so I'm... uh Walking alongside uh, Deeper Life Ministries out in Strasbourg, Saskatchewan, and um, they just started out. We're kind of like the guinea pigs of the uh, house of prayer that started out in their camp. So we're living out there. Basically, the the whole thing is just to minister on what, what's on the Father's heart. And uh, this whole thing's called the Father's house. <laughs> and we're just basically praying out everything that's going on in Canada. So we're praying on the church, we're praying for the church, we're praying for First Nations people, we're praying for all these things. And we're actually doing this new thing where we're actually recording uh, some stuff from people who are in the mission field. So like Aaron and Allie Steinley who are working in Turkey, like we actually take the time to do a service where we're actually just like prophesying over them and praying over them and we send it to them. So like that's kind of what we're doing. So right now I'm just in this new season of interceding on what the, what's on the Father's heart, but mostly for me, I'm just praying a lot on what the Lord's putting on my heart for First Nations people. So like that's the source of my prayer. So I'm walking alongside them, but I'm also as a walking alongside them as a worship leader. So wherever trips we take to uh, churches or uh, certain conferences, like I'm leading the congregation in worship. So like I'm not only there as a prayer leader, but also just to help lead worship when it's needed.
0: So how did you get in contact with him or get about joining this ministry?
1: Yeah. So ever since he started uh, Deeper Life, I think back in 2017, I think when it all started or 2018, Adam's been just bothering me to recruit me ever since. Like, hey, dude, I would like to have you out. You'd know, you be such a huge asset. And they were talking about like, we want to take our ministry towards uh, First Nation communities. And I feel like you can help lead in that. And uh, I remember telling him like, dude, that sounds great, but I'm kind of in a season where I'm in a season of rest. I'm figuring that out. And I'm kind of Doing this new job. So, you're like, every time you contact me, it's always bad timing. <laughs> every single time. It was twice where, Hey, would you like to come work at our summer camps? Like, I'm already at Cedarwood. And uh, he's like, Would you like to come out for the ministry? He's like, I'm just started a new job and I can't quit right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it took him a few years, but eventually, uh, the summer of uh, 2022 was when I actually was able to get two months off of work. And then I went to work at their summer camp. And it wasn't until I crossed the border, I realized, like, you know, it just feels like home for some reason. And the Lord's been calling me to walk alongside them. I remember I was in their small church chapel in Strasbourg because they don't have like a big sanctuary. We were in a small church and I remember we were just leading worship and I looked out at the prairies and just seeing this beautiful evening sky and just the valleys and just how secluded it was. I was like, man, it just feels like I'm back home again. To be in the middle of nowhere secluded and just praying on what the Father's heart is, it's just like I feel like I need to walk alongside these guys for a while. So that's just kind of what's been happening and how he convinced me eventually. But um, I think the Lord just told me I was standing outside Landmarks Theater and it's just like, I don't know. I just feel like I need to walk alongside these guys. And all he said was talk to Adam. <laughs> I remember the next day in training, I just told him, yeah, dude, um, this is what I've been going through. And uh, I feel like the Lord told me to talk to you. And I remember him just standing up and he's like, dude, you're confirming a lot of prayers right now. I've been struggling with like, if this ministry thing is me or if the Lord's really in it, and now you're telling me you want to join. It's like, he was actually tearing up. It's like, this means a lot. you know. And it's like, well, if the Lord trusted you to talk to me about it, I'll definitely pray about it. And it took him the weekend. He's like, yeah, come along, come alongside us. We'd love to have you. And that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: Well, when I met you back in 2016, you were at Eston College, leading a lot of worship, doing a lot of ministry. And since then, like we've had COVID and yeah. all these challenges. In the meantime, you probably haven't been ministering. Not many people were ministering at all during that time. So what yeah. what has this season been like leading up to being launched back into doing ministry?
1: Yeah. So I was not uh, when I left Eston, the Lord called me back to Winnipeg in 2017. I was just ready to go wherever. And um, he just said, come back to Winnipeg. I came back and I met with your good friend, Joel, and... He kind of just said to me, like, I feel like this season is going to be a season of rest for you, and I feel like you're just going to, from the season of rest, you're going to start to propel into your calling. And uh, I was like, okay, well, what does rest look like then? So I remember reading about rest a lot, and come to me, all who are weary, heavy burden, I'll give you rest, like all those scriptures I was reading about, just trying to figure out, like, okay, what does this season of rest look like? And from 2017 until 2022, I figured out this season of rest was uh, actually some traumas that i needed to heal from and some things that went alongside that so like in that season arrest was kind of confusing i went through so many valleys like peaks and valleys i feel the lord was taking away worship music like congregational worship uh, leading worship at my church i felt like i was pushing it and it didn't feel like authentic and i just feel like okay what are you trying to tell me like you're taking away worship music and I'm losing a lot of family members to COVID like I don't understand what you're calling me to right now. And I uh, just told me to take a uh, time away from leading worship uh, congregationally and that was something like my bread and butter. I love doing that stuff. I love leading worship at church. So after finding out he took all these things away, I think the huge blow is just like uh well actually drinking on top of that. I don't understand this season. I'm just partying all the time. And where are you? You know, and Like, I feel like I'm just pushing things. And um, the huge blow came the summer of 2021. Um, I lost an uncle to a heart attack after he recently had surgery. He died. They didn't tell me how he died. I think he just went in his sleep or his heart gave out. And two months later, my great-grandmother died of just natural causes. And this was during COVID. So um, that was a huge blow. And then that November, I kind of mentioned Nathan Helcrow uh, from the first episode. So he was the guy who told me about the gospel at a young age. And he actually helped me do church on the reserve because we didn't necessarily go to church, but we did the, read the gospels together. We prayed together. Like he was kind of the guy who pushed me to go after what God was calling me he to. He was a so. younger
0: guy around your age. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was, well, he was a year older or a few years older than me, I think two years. But yeah, he was, um, he went through a lot of, things after I left the college. I remember I was, this is what I was talking about. Like, I feel like this is not fair that I'm learning all this stuff and walking with God and walking with people because I wanted everybody to experience it. But Nathan dealt a lot with the pandemic that happened. Uh, His mental health just kind of started and he started talking about depression. He started talking about suicide thoughts and the only way he coped with it was smoking marijuana. And I didn't like seeing him that way. And every time that we did drink alcohol together, I just didn't feel right. But Nathan eventually lost his battle with depression. He committed suicide in November of 2021. And I remember just that being the day my life changed. I felt I never lost someone so close who was basically a brother. And getting that call from uh, the chief and usually when bad news comes the chief calls you or they visit you and as soon as i got the call i was like i don't want it to be my mom just don't let it be my mom and as soon as they mentioned best friend or like a close friend of yours and i remember thinking like okay uh i hope it's not furley i hope it's not norton or like i'm hearing all this and then i heard nathan and i lost it like i was crying and uh you know just I had to call my friends right away just because I wanted them to hear it from me and not Facebook. And I think walking, getting used to not having him around has been the hardest thing where, you know, we used to go to Smitty's and have breakfast together and just driving by that place was so hard. And driving around the city, we used to do a lot talk about Jesus and that was even hard just to drive around. I couldn't be at home because we had so many sleepovers in that house and One of our closest times was actually tipping waitresses at Boston Pizza, and even just thinking about him during that time was very hard. I think uh, dealing with his death was like the hardest for me because I had to get used to doing life without him when I was so used to walking with Jesus with him, and that was such a huge part of me. I felt like a part of me died that day when he died. And uh, my friends and I were consoling each other, and all we did was just watch videos, and Just seeing a picture of him smiling was enough for us to just cry and pick up a bottle and just start drinking, you know, because we miss him even to this day. But uh, I remember I was sitting uh, at my job. I was working a painting job, which was a good gig in trades. I remember us sitting in the break room and I felt like the Holy Spirit was just wanting to talk to me. And I felt the Lord come into the room and he said to me, Are you going to be angry that Nathan left? Are you actually going to be thankful for the years that you've had with him? And I remember just telling him, just like, reflect, take the time and pray about it. Talk to me about it. And I remember sitting on the chair, just like, Lord, thank you for the man of God that he made me to be. Thank you that you brought him to me to share the gospel. And that's when the tears started flowing. I was just like, Oh Lord, I thank you that he's with you now, you know? And then actually after that prayer, I was just like a, breath of relief. I was like, I'm letting him go. I'm finally letting him go. And then uh, the Lord kind of just put his hands on the table and he's like, this is your season that you needed to walk into. Like, this is the season of healing that you needed to go through. And I remember thinking, man, it took Nathan's death to figure out what my season was. And why didn't you tell me this in 2017? It's like, well, you weren't listening. You were busy drinking. You wanted to do the things of your flesh desired, but it took until Nathan died for me to get your attention. And then I was like, oh, all right, well, let's do this. It sucks, but I need to do this with you. And he's like, all right, time to work on your mommy issues. And I was like, I'm not ready for that. I just went back to work. <laughs> then he started uh, in that season, I started noticing a difference right away where he's like, okay, your mom left you. And, uh, all these girls that teased you when you were young, I mentioned that in the first episode where I was known as the gross kid, like this, like, is there a reason why you look at yourself this way? Like, why do you always think you're ugly? Why do you think you're unattractive? It's like just the bullying I got through and not having my mom around, you know, and that's why. And that's when he just kind of walked through me where it's just like, just because you said it in martyr's life and girls affirm that you are not an ugly and unattractive, like that you're not done with the healing yet. You need to let me in. And that's when I kind of felt the open heart surgery started. And he's just like, okay, why do you look at yourself this way? Like, why do you see yourself as unattractive when you're in front of a beautiful woman? Just what the girl said about me, ugly, unattractive. And it's like, all right, well, you're not that. You're beautifully and wonderfully made. My scripture mentions that. And then uh, he started uh, working on the issues of just like, I went to therapy for a while. And that's what helped too, was going to talk to somebody about Nathan's death. And then actually it wasn't until uh, Lorraine from Zion Epistolic Church told me, like, do you have a mother figure in your life? Do you have someone who can put their arm around you and just let you know, like, love you? It's like, well, Shelly was that in Eston and Karina, but she lives in Saskatchewan. And she's like, don't you have anyone here? No. And then I remember her tearing up and it's like, I'm sorry that you don't have anyone. And I was like, honestly, I didn't know. I didn't have anyone until you mentioned it. So she gave me the challenge, like, what are the barriers around your heart that is stopping you from receiving love from people and you giving love to them? And then that's when the Lord started showing me, um, you need to let me be that mother figure in your life. You know, like, I not only want to be a dad, but I want to show you the things that I can do to be what your mom wasn't. And after walking through that healing, it's still taking time. And I feel like he's still doing that work and I'm still walking through it. I noticed my conversations with women are changing. Like I'm not looking at myself this way anymore. And I kind of just looked at myself one day. It's like, oh, you know, you're still you're working on that now. And like this is great. You know, I need to keep doing this. So like still walking through that healing and coming out of that season of rest, I finally started doing worship again. And my song writings have been like going like crazy. And ever since dealing with Nathan, dealing with my mom, these songs had just started to come out. But I feel like I need to get these three songs that I've been writing for the past five or six years out. And I feel like my creativeness will start again. But there's so much songs that are coming in this season, which has been great. So,
0: so what role would you say music and writing has played in part of your healing journey?
1: Yeah. So, one of the things that I noticed was uh, every time a death happened, I always picked up a guitar and my tears stopped flowing because the Lord was doing his work already, just me playing a few chords. So that role is just like worship has always been my go-to thing where I think it started in Eston where nobody was in the chapel and I went in there every single day and just sang and sang worship songs. So music definitely played a big part in that. And it's always like my go-to thing when the hardest things happen in life, I just need to pick up my guitar and start singing and these prayers and stuff start flowing out through that time. So I feel like that's been the big thing for me.
0: So take me back a little bit, when did your love for music and the discovery you had that that this is actually a gift?
1: Yeah. Uh Nathan brought it out <laughs> Okay. I was uh nineteen and I told him like I wanna learn worship music. So he brought his two guitars over and uh we did the four chords that they usually play in worship music, E minor, G, C, D. And it's like you can play any worship songs with these ones. And um I remember him and I sang Never Once by Mad Redman. And we played through that, and he stopped singing because I was getting into it. And I stopped, and he looked at me. He's like, you have a really good voice, man. You should sing more. And I was like, thanks, Steve. And I asked him, like, can I borrow your guitar for a week? I just feel like I need to do this. And he was gracious enough to ask his dad to let me borrow his really nice guitar. And I just sang for that whole week. And I feel like doing everything in the secret place actually helped a lot too. But yeah, my first love for music, I think when I was young, I remember my family well, I don't know if they told me, but when I remember ever since I was a young kid hearing Guns N' Roses on the radio, singing a bunch of songs in my grandmother's house, you know, hearing all those gospel tunes and that old hymn, How Great Thou Art. So just growing up around music and my families who are singers when funeral start like I just grew up around music and knowing that Ernest Moniz well, yeah, was my grandfather. It's like oh that's where probably the love for music came from.
0: Yeah I mean when I first saw you sing it in 2016 I wouldn't have imagined that you were fairly new to leading at that point. Yeah. I just saw the anointing and the gift i like oh man this guy's got something but.
1: But it wasn't until I went to Eston everybody started telling me like uh, you have a gifting there and I remember one guy named Jake Eisler who I went to school and said, I just saw a picture of you of your guitar and there's fire coming out of it. So I think you have a calling and anointing in this worship music thing.
0: So how has that vision developed over the years, your calling and where you feel like the Lord has taken you and your music?
1: Again, it started from like Eston where I remember doing a coffee house thing and I remember sharing one of my songs that I've been writing since 2017 or 2016 actually. And she actually came up to me and said, "Like, you know I, I got delivered today of what you sang, and like I've something left me." and that's when I kind of looked at it and was like, You're actually wanting to do something with my music. You know I was talking to Jesus, and all right, well let's let's see where you want to go with this then. you know, I just kind of think about when uh, David played for Saul and the spirit left, you know, and um, I've been kind of just looking at the gifting where it's like he can take this away anytime." You know, so I try not to take the gifting for granted. So what I'm doing now with it is just like, I do want to write songs and I do want to make music a priority as well. Because I remember getting a vision from someone saying like thousands of people will hear your songs. And it's was like, I used to look at myself like that's never going to happen. You know, just uh, being obedient and wanting to see what he wants to do with the music and also the ministry that I want to carry is what I'm going for. Staying obedient That's <laughs> one way I can answer it.
0: So in, in last episode, you alluded a little bit to how you feel like the Lord's called you to minister to the indigenous people and, and even having a vision for that. And the Lord's given you a vision. So what what is that vision? Maybe share a little bit more about that and, and even where music plays a role in that.
1: Yeah. For the longest time, I've been trying to figure out, okay, where are you going to call me? Like, is there a community you want me to go to? Do you want me to go back home? What does it look like? You know, because... I've been trying to just see the full picture of what it is, but you know, First Nations in general, he didn't just give me a place, but it's the whole people, you know, so it'll probably be a bunch of places. So what I feel the calling is, is just I have a heart for the young adults and the youth. They're the next generation of people. The word that I had for the youth of this generation now, it's a lot of them are called Gen Z, but I heard uh, Gen Zeal. Well, they'll have such a zeal for the mm. Lord and hunger for him. And it'll just be like something that's never been seen before. And once I heard that, I was like, okay, what can I do to do this? Like, I want to be, a, I want to see this happen. I want to see these kids on fire for the Lord. I feel like that's one of the things that he's been showing me for the youth and the young adults. It's just like uh, a lot of them are dealing with such mental health stuff where it's like a lot of the young guys or young women are saying, I'm not good enough. And I feel like they see like, the mindset of just like, I'm, I'm never going to leave the reserve. You know, I might as well just, they're drinking every day. They don't have anybody to talk to and they just feel like I'm not enough. So they kill themselves, you know, and that's, that's heartbreaking to me. So like just speaking true identity into them, not just the, you are enough, but also just letting them know like, Hey, we're here to listen and we're here to, you know, I want to be that, uh, leader where it's just like, you know, I've gone and lived this life out of the reserve but you know this doesn't have to be your end game here. But there's more for you, and you know there's more opportunities. It's just like that mindset we're so used to hearing so much death in the community. Like someone passed away, and it brings you into that sadness. I think uh, one of the things that changed for me where it's just like I hear bad news all the time from home, and I was like, you know, I just had enough. Let's just stick with this mindset, All right, Lord, you, your scripture says you healed all people. We're gonna pray that and this came out of just there was a young woman who was in the hospital and she was about to have a miscarriage and she was in a coma and they were saying that she wasn't going to wake up their odds of her dying were very high and i got that news and i was like i'm just not dealing with this you know like you said you healed all i'm going to stick with that and we're going to pray that she wakes up i just said lord be with her and let her wake up and we just st- we stay true to your word that you did heal all people and you know, we're coming to you as indigenous people and we want to see breakthrough and we pray for that. And a few days later, she woke up the next day and I was like, all right, this is the mindset you want for my people. So I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to chase after you with that. So um, the young adults and the youth have been my heart. So that can be a wide range of things, whether it's just like, is he calling me to be a pastor? I don't know. <laughs> is he calling me to just be there for them or work in the school do you want me to be a school guidance counselor that way I'll always have a job going from community to community like I'm just still figuring it out as I go.
0: You find thinking about your childhood and, and even with what you went through with Nathan what kind of leader would have been helpful to have around you in those points in your life?
1: Yeah that's a good one. As hard as it is we needed someone to actually listen and be patient and walk through with us what we were going through. But that type of leader we needed was just like, we needed a pastor for one and we needed a church and we needed someone who we can come to to ask for prayer for. And we needed that community around us to just uh, let us know like, okay, we're being prayed for at home. And we didn't have that. We didn't have that church. I only had Nathan and I only had his parents. They were the only Christians I had in my life. And that was one of the hardest things that I had to learn. It's like, we just need a church and that's what we've been praying for. Nathan's been wanting it to happen. I've been wanting it to happen. And it's like, I just want to do church planting. Let's do that.
0: So as someone that's gone to Eston Bible College, again, it is ethnically diverse, but Mm -hmm. mostly white people still, right? White leaders. Uh, And you lead in a Zion apostolic church as well. You've led worship there. Yeah. So being an indigenous worship leader, what does it look like for the church around you, the people around you to walk alongside you, to journey alongside you, in order for you to be able to step into the calling that God has called you to do, how can we as the church journey alongside you to support you in doing that? Yeah.
1: I mean, the big thing for me is prayer. I need a lot of prayers. And, um, it's kind of funny how you bring this up. Cause I had a conversation with my leaders at the house of prayer where, um, I actually sat down with them and I said, uh, listen, I'm thinking about telling this to Adam and I'm thinking about telling this to Sean from Eston, but, um, You know, most of the time people are used to seeing me as Jared, the First Nations kid from Cross Lake, and he tends to make, you know, some jokes here and there that are not, that are not appropriate. And uh, he likes to joke around. He's somewhat not serious most of the time, but I'm just being myself. Yeah, (laughs) I just like joking around sometimes. And, you know, I was like, you guys see me this way, but you know, you guys know I have a calling towards First Nations people, and this is my vision for it and what I've been mentioning to you. And it's just like, I'm used to people seeing me as this kid from Cross Lake and this First Nations kid, but like, look at the calling and push me towards that, you know, whether it's just praying for me or like keeping me accountable and just like telling me things, look at that kid who needs to, or look at that man of God that needs to be pushed towards that calling, you know? So prayer is one thing, but also like you see the calling and you heard me talk about it, but look at me as that guy and what, what, what can you do for me in that? and pushing me towards that, that, uh, calling as well,
0: you know. Would you say the same thing for other churches that might have emerging indigenous leaders in their, in their context, how would you say the church around them could support them and, and push them into their calling?
1: Yep. I think the big thing is just like, uh, you know, we just want somebody who will listen to us and hear us. And at the same time, it's like, we need, we need a lot of patience, we need a lot of care, we need a lot of, like, when you're seeing somebody who's dealing with trauma, you need to walk through that with them, you know, gently and as patient as possible, and the Lord's going to walk them through it, like, what can you do in that for them? It's just like, just listen and also pray for them when it's needed, even when they're not in the congregation and they're partying, just like, always have them in your prayers, and um, always push them towards what you see in their calling is the huge thing for me. It's like, we have so many young adults and youth that are called to such bigger things than what they think is for them. So like just seeing that calling, pray for them when they're not in the congregation. It's just like, they just need someone to listen to. They need someone to lean on, right? So.
0: We do have many Indigenous listeners of this podcast. I was wondering, is there, is there one piece of advice that you would give to a young emerging Indigenous leader just starting out?
1: Yeah, just uh, trust God is one thing. Like it's scary. If I was l- talking to my 18 year old self for one, it's just like the insecurities won't always be there. You know, just just trust in the process of what the Lord's calling you to. That's the big thing is just trust for one, but also just like search for some mentors as well. You know, you need some good mentors in your life, whether they're you know men, because a lot of us didn't grow up without dads or moms. So it's like it's okay to seek out that. Mentorship and look for somebody who's a father figure as well, someone who you can trust as well. And yeah, just trust that you won't have it all together by 30 as well. It's like you don't have to have all all your crap together by your 20s or 30s. It's like it's okay. Just trust the Lord and He'll walk you through whatever you need to go through.
0: So you talked about how you feel like the Lord has a calling even for the indigenous people and and a big role to play in revival in Canada, where do you see the indigenous community in 10 years from now in Canada?
1: Well, we mentioned church planting and I hope to see a few more churches (laughs) planted for one, but also I just see, I want to see a bunch of youth and young adults actually starting to come to church and I want to see a revival start obviously. (laughs) And that's the big thing, big goal, but um, you know, I, I want to see mental health improve as well in my community and all the surrounding communities of first nations people, where I guess it's like, I don't want to look at it as like a safety net or something like that, but I just want the church to be like, Hey, it's like what Jesus said. Um, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I come to call those who are sinners and he ate with those sinners. you know, it's just the church to be like such outflow of, Love that it's reaching out towards the community and the gospel is just reaching them and the true gospel is actually being reached in their hearts and it's just people just on love and on fire for Jesus that they can't help but just reach out to other communities. You know, that's what I want to see
0: happen. So looking back at your life, let's say Jesus wrote a book about you. What would the title of that book be? Oh boy,
1: I'm going to try not to get emotional anyway. <laughs> it's just like every time I see him the way he's looking at me, everybody's always telling me he's smiling at you and he tells me the four words, I'm proud of you. (laughs) I don't know if that's four, but I think that would be the title of the book is just proud of you. And the book would just be like my life story and just how he saw me throughout all of it. And yeah, it's just the way he sees me every day, even when I'm not doing good or I feel like, okay, I struggled with sin. I watched porn last night and he's like, proud of you. Why are you telling me you're proud of me? It's like, I feel like such crap right now. And I I'm proud of you because you're actually walking through what I'm calling you to.
0: I'd be happy with that being the name of my book to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jared, for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast where paths connect over real life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation, and loving our neighbor. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or follow us in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.